from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. If you've been following our podcast, you know that we usually follow the traditional Jewish Bible reading schedule and explore the weekly Torah portion called the Parsha. But today we're going to talk about the holiday of Purim, which Jews will celebrate later this week. And we'll explore verses from the Book of Esther, one of my favorite books. We're going to talk about the Jewish custom to wear masks on Purim, something Jews have been doing for hundreds of years. And we'll discover what this practice can teach us about our own times. What we see in life is not a reflection of our true reality. And today, we're going to pull away the curtain and reveal the truth that is hidden behind the scenes. As you might imagine, it's a very festive time here in Israel. The whole country is getting ready to celebrate Purim, the holiday that commemorates the events written about in the book of Esther. During that time, an evil man named Haman convinced King Xerxes, the king of Persia, to obliterate the Jews, and it seemed like the Jewish people were destined for total destruction. But with the help of God working behind the scenes, Queen Esther was able to save her people. Ever since that time, the Jewish people have celebrated Purim according to the directions laid out by Esther's uncle, Mordechai, in the book of Esther. In Esther 9.22, we are instructed to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents for food to one another and gifts to the poor. This translates into the three things that we do on Purim. We celebrate with a festive meal to acknowledge God's miraculous salvation. We bring gifts of food to our friends, which increases fellowship. And we give charity in order to embrace the poor and the needy too. Another thing that we do on Purim is read the book of Esther. The book is read out loud in the synagogue and everyone comes to hear it. There is a custom to bring special noisemakers to the reading called groggers. And every time the name of Haman, the villain of the story, is said by the reader, we make noise with our groggers or we shout boo, we stamp our feet to show that he was so evil we don't even want to hear his name. Purim is a really fun holiday. And for many kids, it's their favorite Jewish holiday. And it's easy to see why. We have a big party, they bring treats to friends and receive a lot of candy from their friends, and they get to make noise with their groggers in the synagogue. And there's another custom that makes this holiday a favorite for kids and many adults, and that is the custom of dressing up with masks and costumes on Purim. If you walk the streets of Israel on Purim, it might look a lot like Halloween, Except we go door to door in order to give treats, not to receive them. And another difference is that dressing up in costumes and Purim has nothing to do with ghosts or gore. It's a custom that goes back to the 13th century, and it has a biblical message behind it. We wear masks and dress up on Purim because the story in the book of Esther is all about how things aren't always the way that they seem. They're 
hidden. This brings me to the verse I want to focus on today. It's one of my favorite verses, and maybe it's one of your favorite verses too. When Mordechai tells Esther to go to her husband, the king, in order to intercede on behalf of the Jews, she doesn't want to do it. She's scared for her life, and rightfully so. The verse that I'm about to read is what Mordechai responds to Esther. This is what it says in Esther 4.14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. According to Jewish tradition, Esther never wanted to be King Xerxes' wife, and it was a difficult experience for her. But in this verse, Mordechai encourages her to consider that God's hand has been at work all along from the moment that this king wanted to marry her. And if he, God, was able to orchestrate events behind the scenes until now, he would continue to help Esther. It was God who put her in this position, not chance. And for us, the readers, this is the moment when all of the puzzle pieces start to come together. We suddenly understand how what seems like a hopeless situation for the Jewish people can turn around. We see how God's hand has been moving the pieces in the right direction all along. This verse captures the main theme of the Purim story, that no matter how things appear, God is always in control, working in ways that we can't see or understand. Even when it seems bad, God has his plan. And this is why we wear masks on Purim. The masks remind us that God is hidden in our world. Just because we can't see him doesn't mean he isn't there. And just because something seems not so good doesn't mean it's not all for the best, part of the larger story. When we read the book of Esther in synagogue, the whole story takes less than an hour to hear. It's easy to see how all of the events in the story are the result of God's providence. It's easy to feel God's presence in every scene and to understand that he is the author of the entire story. But did you know that this story actually unfolded over the course of almost 10 years? Think about that. Esther spent years in the palace not knowing that something good would come out of it. And when the Jews heard about Haman's terrible decree, they couldn't imagine how they could be saved. All the events that happened over nine and a half years must have seemed like random occurrences until they all came together perfectly to complete God's master plan. In Hebrew, we call the book of Esther Megillat Esther, which literally means the scroll of Esther. But it also has another meaning. The name Esther actually means hidden. And the word Megillah is rooted in the Hebrew word, which means reveal. Together, Megillat Esther can mean revealing the hidden. Because when we read it, that's exactly what happens. We reveal the hidden hand of God. When we take a bird's eye view of that 10-year period, what must have seemed uncertain and chaotic at the time is actually revealed to be organized and perfectly choreographed by God himself. 
think about it. Isn't it the same way in our own lives? When we are in the thick of things, when we are going through challenges or facing difficult situations, we may not understand why things are happening the way that they are. We might even feel abandoned by God. But many times we reach a point where we can look back on our lives and see how God was with us and guiding us every step of the way. This idea has always resonated with me, but it was especially meaningful when my father, Rabbi Chiel Eckstein of Blessed Memory, passed away just three years ago during the month of Adar, the Hebrew month that we celebrate Purim in. At first, when I got the call that my father died of a heart attack, I was in shock. Nothing made sense. How could this happen? Why would God take him without giving me a chance to say goodbye? And didn't God know that the plan was for me to become the president of the fellowship only when my father retired? Not now. It all seemed like a terrible mistake, an accident that should have never happened. But... It wasn't lost on me that my father died during the month of Purim, a holiday that reminds us that nothing is an accident. Nothing is happenstance. Everything is meticulously planned and implemented by God. When I looked back on the years before my father's death, I could see how God clearly prepared me for my new position for such a time as this. A few years earlier, God had placed the idea in my father's head to begin training me as the leader of the fellowship. He gave my father the foresight at the age of 65, young, healthy, to take a step back and allow me to make important decisions and learn the details of running the organization. A few months before my father died, the board of the fellowship just happened to appoint me as president-elect, which positioned me to immediately become president of the fellowship once my father left that position. We were assuming it would be when he retired a few years later. And I just happened to return from a two-week overseas trip less than 12 hours before my father passed away here in Israel. Only God could align so many circumstances in a way that seemed random, but that made the transition from my father's leadership to my own occur as smoothly as it did. I still miss my Abba, terribly, every single second of every single day. But knowing that God is in control and that he has a perfect plan, even if I can't understand it, gives me the comfort that I need to live my life with confidence and joy. That, my friends, is the message of the book of Esther. That God is working behind the scenes and everything happens according to his perfect plan, even if we can't see or understand it right now. I'll tell you another thing about the book of Esther that a lot of people don't realize. God isn't mentioned in it even once. Did you know that? Look around. God's name isn't there. The whole story is about God's providence and his miraculous salvation, but technically, God isn't in the story, not at all, not even once. His name is not mentioned. And that isn't a mistake. The fact that God's name is missing from the story only emphasizes his presence on every page, hidden but there in every line. Unlike other miracles like the splitting of the Red Sea, the miracle of Purim was a hidden miracle. And by leaving God's name out of the story, we learn that just because we can't see God clearly 
in black and white doesn't mean that he's not there. Sometimes it might seem like God isn't with us, like it did to the Jews in the Purim story. But no matter how things may seem, God is always here. And if we look closely enough, we can find him. I love how this idea is demonstrated in Song of Solomon 2.9. It says, My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. I just love that imagery. God is always here with us, watching us, loving us, gazing at us, and doing miracles on our behalf. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. He's just hidden. The idea of hiddenness is a major theme of Purim. We even make special treats on Purim called hamantashen, which are triangular cookies with the jelly hidden on the inside. I even made a video about how to make them, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can see. Not only are they meaningful, but they're delicious. But God isn't the only one that is hidden in this story. The main characters hide their true identity too. Esther hides her Jewish identity from King Xerxes. Mordechai keeps his personal relationship to Esther a secret until the very end. And Haman pretends to have the king's interest at heart when he presents his plan to kill the Jews. One reason why we wear masks on Purim is to remind us that God is often hidden. But another reason is to remind us that we also wear masks, and there's an important lesson for us here too. I'll be the first to say that I wear many different masks. When I'm at work, I'm the CEO. I dress a certain way and I act a certain way, and that reflects my position and my responsibilities. But the second I get home, I'm a mom and wife, period. I kick off my heels, put on comfortable clothing, and switch to a much more relaxed mindset. And when I'm with my closest friends, I act differently than I do with my kids. I let a different aspect of my personality shine through. The point is that I have different personas, but I'm not any single one of them. And I'm also all of them at the same time. I'm always authentic. I'm always me. But when you meet me, you probably aren't seeing all of me. And I know that if I meet you, I wouldn't be seeing all of you. I wouldn't see all of the different roles that you play, all of the different hats that you wear in your life. I also wouldn't know all of the things that have happened to you in your life that have shaped who you are. And I wouldn't know anything about the struggles you might be facing at this particular moment. There are a lot of people wearing a smile that are sad on the inside. And there are other people that come off as rude or, or arrogant, but in reality, they're just feeling hurt and worthless on the inside. Our Purim masks remind us that when we look at another person, we aren't seeing all of them. What we see is what's noticeable on the surface at that particular moment. But there's so much more to each person beneath what we see. And that is the deepest message of all. There is so much divisiveness in our world, so much hatred and disunity. And a lot of that is because we are so quick to judge other people based on what we see on the outside. We forget that there's a whole other part to every person on the inside that we can't see. According to Jewish tradition, this was the state of the Jewish people at the start of the Purim story. 
In Esther 3.8, Haman describes the Jews as a people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. The rabbis explain that the deeper meaning of Haman's description is that the Jews were separate from each other. There was no unity among them. They got caught up in the superficial things that separated them instead of focusing on the things that they couldn't see, the things they had in common, the parts of a person that are unknown and the part of each person that is a piece of God. Ultimately, the shared experience of facing Haman, their common enemy, brought the Jews back together. But it shouldn't take a crisis to bring people together, and it doesn't have to. We can learn to see each other as more than just our masks, as more than how we might appear on the surface. I want to end with a story that I heard from my husband, Amichai, which really drives home this idea, the idea that we have no idea what's going on beneath the surface in someone else's life. He read in the opening of a book that there was once a man riding the subway with his children. The kids were acting out and being extremely disruptive to the other passengers. The man just sat there doing nothing. He said nothing to them about their rude behavior and made no effort to contain them. He just sat there staring into space as if this weren't his responsibility. The people on the subway started to get upset. Not only were these kids ruining their commute home after a hard day of work, their father wouldn't even take any responsibility for their behavior. Finally, one man had enough. He stood up, went over to the kid's father. You could see the steam coming out of his head. And he said to the father, don't you see how disruptive your kids are being? You need to do something about it. The father snapped out of his daze and said in a gentle voice, Ah, you're right. I, I should control them. Please excuse me. We just got back from the hospital where we heard that their mother just died. This was a paradigm shift for everyone on the train. Suddenly they saw beneath the surface what they were really going through. We have no idea what other people are going through, and we have no idea what has happened in their life to shape them and make them the way that they are. What we see is only a fraction of who a person really is. And if we can remember this, we won't be so quick to judge, and we'll be more likely to give people the benefit of the doubt. We'll treat others with the love, kindness, and respect that each person deserves as a child of God. Purim reminds us to look beyond the surface, to see God in everything, in the events going on in the world and in our own lives, and to see God in every person beyond the masks that every person wears, and to see the divinity inside of ourselves, to see that we are all created in the image of God. In Chronicles 22.19 we read, Now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. This week, let's take some time to seek God beneath the surface, behind the masks of life. Can you look at the last 10 years of your life and see how God's hand was at work? Can you trust that God is moving the pieces in your life right now for the very best? Can you treat others with the extra patience and kindness, knowing that there is so much more to each person than we can see? Can you see the image of God inside of every person? God may be hidden, but he wants us to find him. And when we do, we'll discover the goodness and perfection that is in each moment of our lives and always has been. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land and a very 
Happy Purim. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.